Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Well, good morning. Wow, that was really nice. Clapped. I love it. Love it. Good morning, CityWalk. We're so, so glad you're here. I'm glad to be with you. And good afternoon, 6 o'clock, to our friends online. Glad you are joining us online. If you don't know me already, my name is Luke Brady. So I have that like, like cool like first and last name that goes together really well. Like most people don't call me Luke. They're like, oh, it's just Luke Brady. It's weird. But anyways, I am the young adult and worship director here at CityWalk, and I'm, I'm pumped to be with you. Can you tell? Because I'm sweating so much right now. But anyway, so I moved to Yuba City, the great place of Yuba City, and no laughs? No, nothing? Okay. And, uh, and this past August, August of 2020, right, and the crazy time going on. And before that, I worked for a Bible college and Christian camp, and I traveled a lot um, for about five years. So right before COVID kind of started, all the things were, were going down in March, my band had this long weekend scheduled off in Virginia. We had this really long southern tour, and we were working hard, and we had this one missionary guy that worked us so hard. I hope he watches this so I can make fun of him about it, but we, he, he worked us like 80 hours one week. Like it was, it was, we were going on strong, doing this ministry, going at it, so we needed a good break. So I booked an Airbnb uh, for us for like a, a long weekend before we had to go to a Christian school uh, that next week, and in the kind of mountains was this nice lake house, and um, one of the Airbnbs got canceled, and I called them, and they said, oh, yeah, we'll fix that for you. No problem. That's just a, a mistake on our end. And then, so I got it booked again, and then the next day, they canceled again. So I was pretty frustrated with all of the, the things going on, and eventually I got a place um, that I didn't research a lot, um, but I got this place a day before, the eight of us to stay 30 minutes to the next to the place we were going to next, Does that make sense. Um, so driving up this mountain area, and we kind of drive downhill to this kind of lake house spot. It looked really nice. Dirt road. We have a 12-passenger transit Ford van, a big thing, and a big trailer. So going down this thing, I'm thinking, man, we're going to have to, I don't know how we're going to get out of this. We'll probably have to, I'll, I'll figure it out. You know, I'm, I'm, I've been working with the trailer. I can do it. I won't jackknife it anymore like I've done in the past. It'll be good. It'll be good, right? So... We get parked, I go inside to make sure there's the rooms that they said that was in there, and open the door, and I see in the kitchen, there's like stuff on the floor. Not good stuff on the floor, like some food or something that's been there, probably before, the, like a the, like couple times before. I was like, ah, oh, that's not cool, I can get cleaned up, not a big deal. Okay, I go downstairs to their basement, they have a pool table, you know, they advertise this nice pool table, those nice pictures, right? And there was, like, dirty laundry sheets on top of there. I was like, well, that's, someone forgot to put these 
away. It's kind of gross. So then I go in the bathroom. And you want to know, okay? It's just, it was gross. It was rough. There was lots of other things. It was rough. Took a lot of pictures. We saw, I was like, this is just, this is bad. I hope I get a discount, right? So I, I go back outside, and I tell a few of them, and I say, hey, can you just look at this and give me kind of a second opinion? What should we do? They're like, yeah, we got to do something about this. We can't. And I'm like, yeah, I feel the same way. So I called the host. Ring, ring. No answer. So I'm like, oh, that's great. So it's in the afternoon. We're, it's about 3 or 4 o'clock, and i, I got to figure something out. So I'm like, forget this. I'll cancel it on the way. We'll go get a hotel, whatever. We'll spend a little bit of extra money, and we'll just rest. Because we were tired. We were beat. So we try to get, I try to do like the, the UE thing. I, I pride myself in being able to do U-turn anywhere. Like, I don't know if you're, you're that guy, but I am that guy, okay? Like, I, if, you, if you say, can you do a U-turn there? I don't know if it's legal. I'm going to do it, though, right? But try to do U-turn, but because of the driveway and how it was, it was really soft on, on this side over here, and it was kind of going over the edge, and I was like, yeah, this is not, this would not be a good call my boss. Hey, so the van's gone. What do you mean? It's gone. So I didn't do that, so I decided, okay, I'll just back up all the way. You know, I'm, I'm pretty good with the trailer now. I'll just back up through these trees, up this hill. We'll be fine, right? So I start to back up, start to back up, and then we're not moving. We get we're ruts. It's kind of soft right here. It just rained the night before, right in the spot that I was going. I was like, okay. And I'm also one of those guys that prides myself of no one's going to tow me out. I'm going to get out myself. So... I do the whole, which is probably not great for anything. I go forward, I go backwards, go forward, go backwards, go forward, go backwards, and I get out. And we get closer to the house. So now, okay, we're at square one again. So I'm like, we're just going to running start. You know, I'll, I'll be fine. I know how to do the trailer. Everybody's like looking at me like, this is a bad idea. I don't know what he's going to do. This is a bad idea. So I get like the, you know, the running start with the van. I have actually people sitting in the back of the van, maybe some more traction. I don't know if it would help. I don't know if it really did. And we get almost up the hill. We're almost up, and, and people are like, van move, van move. We're like chanting, and then boom, we have no transmission. <laughs> and I'm not a mechanic guy. I did uh, fix uh, Steve's air conditioner recently, so if you need some, some help with that, I can't help you. But... It was bad. It, you just knew. It was the transmission. So parked down there, and then I was just like, I don't know what I'm going to do. There's not a, a lot of times in, in doing this ministry that was in that I didn't have any options. Like, plan A was bad. Plan B didn't work. Plan C didn't work out. Plan D was gone. And plan E was, like, nowhere to be found, right? So we are stuck in the middle of nowhere, 30 minutes from where we're supposed to be in a couple days, with all of our equipment in one spot, the house is gross, and the van doesn't move, and we've been doing this, this getting out of here probably like an hour, to be honest with you. It was rough. It was rough. I was tired. I was frustrated. And yeah, I was out of options, at least the easier ones. And I felt the weight of the responsibility. I got to take care of these people, right? I, we've done three long, like they, they work, they grind, they, they did all the things that I've asked them to do. And, and now I have no house, no food for them. Like it was bad. 
And I'm sure a lot of you uh, can resonate, maybe in some moments, maybe you're thinking, maybe it wasn't as bad as my story. I'm a little dramatic, but that actually did happen exactly how I told you. And you, you may have this problem, and you're exhausted, and maybe you're out of options, and you're, you're feeling all the while the weight of the responsibility. And then often in response to that problem going on, you, you blame things or people, right? You blame God, maybe. I've done that, been there. You blame the Airbnb host, rightfully so. They didn't call me. Maybe Ford Motor Company because of that bad transmission or bad operator. Any warm body in reach, right? We're, we're blaming. And, and with God, we, we sometimes think, what is he doing? What was he thinking? Why did he let this happen? Like, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. But that doesn't really solve our problem either, does it? Jesus' disciples felt the same pressure we have felt in lots of moments, especially hanging out with Jesus. Because Jesus did some wild things that they, could, they couldn't imagine. They didn't expect. It was always a surprise to them. So we are in part six, chapter six of our summer series and Mark. And in chapter six, and we're going to dive in that in just two seconds, his 12 disciples, his main squeezes are going out and, and healing people and preaching to people. Jesus said to go do this. So he says in verse seven, chapter six, he summoned the 12 and began to send them out in pairs and give them authority over unclean spirits. So he said, go out. Jesus' disciples go out, serve these people, do what I've asked. So they go out, they serve, they do the things Jesus said. So they went out, preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons, anointed many sick people with oil, and healed them. Verse 30, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest for a while. For many people were coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they went away in the boat by themselves to a remote place. So my situation was really similar to this, I feel like. like we were doing this ministry, like we've been called to do, and we were committed to do, and then this happens. After we were trying to rest. But many saw them leaving and recognized them. They ran on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. So the disciples did all this work, did all these things for Jesus, came back, told them, were, was supposed to rest, right? Was supposed to relax. And, and you've probably, have probably had that. You've, you've worked so hard that you just want to go home. You just want to sit on the couch and watch Psych. I'm with you, okay? With you on that. But Jesus saw these people that were running after him. And they, 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 they saw him afar. Like, he was in a boat. And they're like, I know that guy. He can do some things. We've got we to gotta find him. We've got to figure this out. He saw, Jesus saw that the people, need, they needed forgiveness, maybe a greater purpose, freedom from their troubles, maybe some healing, maybe someone to, to just talk to. And, and he says here, when he went ashore, he saw the large crowd and had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And then he began to teach them many things. See, these people, people that have crossed Jesus' path, have been healed, have been changed. And the crowd wanted some of that, right? And Jesus saw their needs and had compassion on them. 
And Mark notes, specifically, they are like sheep without a shepherd. So if you know anything about sheep, you probably maybe don't, or maybe you know some of the stuff, you've heard it before, but this is what sheep look like and do. Hold on, there's slow-mo. you got to wait for that one. It's like, what is he doing? Just right back, right, right in there. Oh, that was good. So I read, this is a YouTube video, so I read a comment, and this guy Jay says, this is me and Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, I need your help again. See, sheep are directionally challenged. I am so guilty of that. You can ask Pastor Chris, I am directionally challenged. If I go driving around, I have no idea where I'm going. Defenseless sheep can't take care of themselves. To be honest, they're really dumb animals. Like, they need a leader. They need someone to follow. They need help. And it's not someone we really, like, something we want to be really compared to. But, but Jesus saw these people that they just needed him. They needed a good shepherd. And these people ran to Jesus. They didn't walk. You know, if you were here this, this past week on Sunday, Matt talked about chapter 5 and that these people waited to go to Jesus. Jairus waited to go to Jesus, but these people figured out, okay, he did this stuff to Jairus' daughter and all these other things, and, and we get to know them. We need whatever he has. They ran to him, and Jesus welcomed them. Maybe you felt this way. Maybe you felt lost. Before, you know, you don't want to go, you, the decisions you have to make, you're just not sure. Maybe you felt broken, and I've been there. Those, those times you don't like to remember. Directionless, needing help, burdened, needing that, a second chance. Maybe you say, I'm just a burden. People don't have time for me. What's really cool, Jesus was fully man, fully God. And his disciples were absolutely human. And they were tired. And he was tired. And they haven't eaten. But Jesus was never too busy for those people. Jesus is never too busy to take care of you. Now, shifting kind of our focus here, the, the amount of people running to Jesus, it says at first a large crowd. And Mark doesn't tell us until later in verse 44, that large crowd is 5,000 men. That's a lot of people. And then Matthew's gospel gives us some extra details, and he says, 5,000 men besides women and children. So now, 5,000 people really means probably over 10,000 people, right? Probably more. See, everything's going great. People are being healed. This big crowd is being touched, and their lives are being changed by Jesus. Jesus is teaching them, caring for them. I don't know if uh, you've ever watched like a soap opera. You guys can admit it, okay, if you have. But you know those like holiday episodes and everything's going well. They're all having a good family time like at Thanksgiving and then the drama happens, right? Then the music goes and then someone's twin brother kills somebody, right? This is kind of that moment, not as dramatic, but when it grew late, his disciples approached him and said, this place is deserted. It's already late. Send them away so that we can go 
into the surrounding countryside so they can go into the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. So disciples see this big problem. It's getting late. These people had, had a good time. You know, Jesus did his thing. We had him do his thing. But we're tired. We're beat. We can't feed all these people. They got to just go. They, they see, and it's a big problem. It's not 99 problems. It's, it's 10,000 plus problems, right? Send them away so they can get some food. We're tired. Let's call it a night. Some of you that have kids, I don't have kids, or maybe you have dogs, think, man, I wish these people would stop following me around all the time. Like, man, they just want something from me all the time. I just want to go to bed. These are, this is what they were feeling. Like, we, we did our thing. We did what we're called to do. We were, good, we were good parents. We were good ministers, right? Let's go to sleep. I just want to go to bed. And then Jesus says this. You give them something to eat. Come on. Jesus, are you kidding me? Then said to them, should we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? So the disciples are probably being a little sarcastic with Jesus and, and thinking, like, should we go buy everybody? Like, it's 10,000 people. How can you go buy food for 10,000 people? I don't know what, what Walmart they had around there, but our Walmart couldn't feed that many people if we tried, right? So 200 denarii really equals to a common laborer's yearly salary. So it's like 200 days of work. But let's say, uh, for math's sake, um, this person gets paid $14 an hour. And then for a year with no vacation, no taxes, great stuff, right? No vacation, no taxes, if you can take both of those. Uh, 29 and change, right? So if we did pizza to feed all these people, so 10,000 pizza people, times 2.6 slices, because you know that's, that's how people eat pizza. And then you divide that. We're doing some good math here. You guys are really excited. You're like, man, I wish this guy would just be quiet. He's mathing. I got out of school for this. <laughs> Eight slices, right? So that equals with, uh, uh, thank you. <laughs> I, I, ne- I needed that because I, don't, I can't do that math on my head. Right? So it's 3,250 pizzas and then $10 a pizza, you're not going to Little Caesars because you're going to have to pay a good tip anyways. So we'll just include that in the $10. So it's $32,000 and change. So if we do the math right here, salary to the pizza cost, we're in the red, okay? And I don't know if you know anything about in the red finances. It's not good stuff, okay? Um, they're like, Jesus, we did the math. We're going to be broke. Like, we don't got that money. Do you know what we've been doing? going around not working. We haven't been paid for this. No one's paid you to heal people. We, we sh- maybe you should monetize this. I don't know. But we haven't gotten any money from this. And then Jesus, again, does something crazy. The suspense. He asked them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. So... Had Charisse bake me some bread. So we got some, some bread here. I have five of them in here. And I got some two fish. They're not real. They look pretty real, right? They're pretty good. Cool. So this is what we got. This is all we have. And in John's accounts of the events that other gospel writers don't mention, one of his disciples, Andrew Simon Peter's brother, said to him, 
There's a boy who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? So Jesus asked, how many loaves do you have? And they thought, okay, we'll just entertain them. We found five, and we'll just throw in those two fish there too. That's crazy. And then the second thing that's kind of interesting that Andrew says, but what are they for so many? So he kind of give you a, a picture of what they were looking at. This is a rendering. This is actually not an actual stadium, but this is 10,000 people, what 10,000 people would look like. I looked it up. It took me a long time to find a picture like this, but that's a lot of people. Like, that's their head. Like, it's really tiny. That's a lot of people. And this is what they had. Got this bread, right? Got a couple fish. And Marysville, put that in perspective, Marysville has 12,000 people. Imagine trying to feed all these people in one night. And you didn't plan catering. No wonder Jesus' disciples were so worried. The responsibility to care for these people were great, and their resources were just five and two. Andrew's probably thinking, Jesus, you're making us harder than this has to be. There's no way we can do this. We should have gone with plan A. Do you see these people? See, I couldn't even feed you all with this little bread and the, the fish that is not at all edible. I could not. Jesus, do you see all these people? It's just going to cost too much. Then Jesus, he, he, Jesus, instructed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifty. So now they're, something's going on. Like, what is he doing? Like, this is all we have. And now we're sitting banquet style. Like, like we got all, everybody in these groups and ready to go. And, and spoiler alert, if you maybe haven't been a follower of Jesus or you're investigating faith, this is one of those crazy Bible stories that's really hard to believe. This is like, like Jonah and, and the whale, the big fish. You know, there's some new story about it. It's kind of cool. But th- this is like, this is crazy stuff. This is hard to believe. But this is what Jesus did. He took the five loaves and the two f- fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed them and broke the loaves. He kept giving them to his disciples as set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them. Everyone ate and was satisfied. Like he divided all of these things up here. I'm handling all these, so if you want to eat some after, don't worry, I washed my hands with my sweat. Like, that's all they had. And he divided all of these things up. And everyone ate and was satisfied. A few years back, I was leading worship at a retreat um, in Maryland. And I was eating breakfast with a, a group of dudes. It was like 10 high school students, high school, middle school. And we're, gonna, we're getting breakfast, and we sit down on these, like, banquet-style tables, the 10 of us, and they put out our food. And our food was, it was really strange to me. It was like, okay, there's like one plate of scrambled eggs, okay. There's like five or six, like the little tiny, like microwavable, like sausages, you know what I'm talking about? Like, they were small. 
they're put there, and then there's this toast. And like, imagine like a very large cucumber or very small French bread cut into slices like a cucumber, and that was the toast. I don't understand. But I was looking at that, and I was looking at the guys, and I was looking at that, and I was looking at the guys, and I said, this is not going to work. We're going to feed these people. But soon we realized that we just had to go back to the kitchen, and they would give us another plate, and if maybe he forth and, and get another plate. And that was, I, I don't know how Jesus did it, and if maybe he put it, the pieces in the basket and broke them off and put them in the basket and started handing baskets out, and the basket was the same weight, and disciples are giving out the people, and there's more in there, and there's more in there. So I don't know how Jesus did it. But people ate and were satisfied. And they picked up 12 baskets full of pieces of bread and fish. So they had leftovers. See, some of you may be thinking, wow, what's the point? Like, Jesus is this really cool magician. He did this cool thing to multiply these things. Some of us, you may think, I can't believe this stuff. This is crazy. It's hard to. But we know Jesus is not a magician. He didn't come to do all these miracles to just impress everybody and think he's just this good teacher that did some cool stuff. No, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. See, Jesus came to serve you. He came to serve me. He came to serve those people. And a lot of times he did it by meeting physical needs to care for people and to teach his followers that I can take care of people. I can take care of them physically, and I can even more take care of them spiritually, their deeper needs, what they need in their, in their heart, in their soul. Jesus came to show us that we needed him. We needed his forgiveness. We needed his death. We needed his resurrection. We needed whatever Jesus had to offer. We need. And the disciples, they learned about how to really trust in Jesus to solve their problems or what they thought was their problems. See, their solutions in life equaled their resources. We don't have enough. It costs too much. We have no energy left. It's, it's just too late. I'm just too tired. I'm just too worn out. And then Jesus does the unexpected and multiplies his food because God's power is limitless. It's unlimited. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that is work in us. He did something that they couldn't even imagine. See, they thought this is what the resources we had. We can't do a lot with this. But Jesus took care of it. Jesus took whatever was in the little boy's hand and took care of it. As you follow Jesus and as you learn to imitate him, you got to be honest with yourselves. We got to be honest with ourselves. We're limited, we don't have all the power. How can we serve people if we only have so much to give? This is all we got. And we see it practically. We know, and you've seen it, and I've lived here long enough to know, that there's a lot of homeless in this area. There's a lot of people in need. 
Could you, as an individual, could you feed all these people? There's a lot. Could you make and pay a down payment for a house for each of them so they can have a place to live? No, we couldn't. And when you have the compassion for people, that compassion, that drive, and you want to serve people, but you're just too tired because you have your own life, what do you do? Sometimes, like the disciples, we do the same thing. We push it away to other people. We think, you know, the pastor, that's his job, right? We think the nonprofit, is that your job? We think the government, is that their job to take care of these people in need? We try to give it to somebody else. The disciples wanted them to go to other towns and find food because they couldn't serve, because they were, their dependence and their trust at the time was in what the, what the, what the material, what they could see with their eyes and think with their minds. That's what they thought. This is the only, this is the only solution. But Jesus didn't see these people that really needed him, that needed not just food to eat, but needed his forgiveness, his love, needed that second chance that all of us need. Jesus came to serve. He saw these people as broken and in need and not a problem. He came to serve, and he calls us. If we're believers in him, he calls us to serve, to take that step. You are not called to multiply fish. You're not, you're not called to multiply bread and fish. You can't do it. You can get a lot of flour in bulk and, and try to make a lot, but it's going to take you a lot of time. But you are not called to multiply your talents and your abilities and the things that you can give to God to serve people. You are called to give God what is in your hands. You are called to give God what is in your hands. And I know I say that, and in our brains, that lie comes. And we believe these lies. The problem's too big. Do you see these 10,000 people? The problem is too big. The people are too many. My talent is too small. I heard this at a conference once. God never calls us to provide. That's his responsibility. He calls us to commit whatever we have, even if it's no more than a sack lunch. See, we can't fix the problem. Your calling is to entrust what you have to God. So remember the boy? There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. What are they for so many? See, Jesus took what was in the boy's hands, what seemed so small and cared for 10,000 people physically. And all he had was bread and fish. But what do you have? What's in your hands? See, in 2008, 13 years ago, I was 13. Do the math. Don't feel bad. I became a follower of Jesus. I trusted in Jesus to save me. Trusted in his death, his burial, and his resurrection for me to have a relationship with God. At that time, I said to God, if you really did die for me, then my life is yours. And, oh, there's the picture. <laughs> That's embarrassing. 
And at that time, what did I have in my hands? I had a guitar, and later on I had drumsticks, but I had a guitar. There's a nice later picture. That's a better picture of me. I'm a lot thinner there. Miss, miss that face. But 13, uh, sorry, but not a few weeks later of, of, of trusting in Christ and learning guitar for a year, I was watching the student worship band rehearse and was invited to come along and play with them that night. And ended up me playing drums a year later. And 13 years later, God has taken me all across the East Coast. So these are all the little spots. This is like New, New California stuff. It's really cool. That's just an airport. So it's not really that important. But these are all the different places I've got to go and to use my guitar and to use my gifts because I said to God, what is in my hands is yours. I, have, I got to see about every year for the fat, past five years, every single year, about 300 to 400 people a year trust in Jesus. It was awesome. But God multiplied what I had, what that little I had 13 years ago. Because I said, God, what is in my hands is yours. My talents, my possessions, my time, my choices, my life, it's yours. All that I am, all that I ever hope to be is yours. And at that time, and um, Asher can attest to this with me here, I knew five chords and I didn't own a capo, so it wasn't that impressive. So... But God multiplied my talent. I, I had something so small, I didn't even sing in front of people at that time. But God used it. And when I look back, God used what was so small to love and serve people, and I never would have guessed I'd be doing this with my life. You know, 13 years ago, I didn't really have a plan. I was in middle school, okay? A lot of people in middle school don't have plans. But I didn't have a plan. I didn't think, I didn't want to be this person, I want to do that. When I trusted in Christ, I was like, well... I like music. Maybe God can use that. There's a music director at church. Maybe I'll do that one day. Here I am. Like, it's awesome. It's, this is a dream that God has blessed me with. It's, it's awesome. And I can't take the credit either. Just like the boy did not multiply the food, he was just compelled to give God what he had. And I was just compelled to give God what I had because of his sacrifice for me. I was like, I'm in. Take what I got. I know it's not a lot, but I know you can use it. So let me ask you this question again. What is in your hands? Maybe you have talent. It's cool, right? It's cool. Pretty legit. You can actually eat this. It's awesome. Maybe you have money. Maybe you have time to spare. Maybe you have relationships. It's a long word. And uh, maybe you have resources. See, God has given you all these things anyway, and, and the fish go along with it too. I like playing with that. It's really fun. God has given you all these things. He's given us an abundance of gifts, and oftentimes, and you've done this and I've done this, we, we think these gifts are irrelevant to God. They're irrelevant to his mission. God can't use these things. They're so small. And then oftentimes we also do the other thing of we compare our gifts. We're like, well, this person's gift is a lot bigger than my little gift, right? We compare, and that's a trap there. But God is all about using small, broken people like you and me and multiplying our talents and drive and willingness and faithfulness to change people's eternal destiny. 
it's a big deal. We can use our gifts for something bigger than ourselves, for something that lasts not for just a moment, not just for a meal, but for eternity. And God wants you, wants me, but he wants you to be a part of fulfilling his mission. What, what is his mission? He came to serve. Don't waste your gift. It's meant to be used for God's mission. What is in your hands? Are you willing today to examine those things and give those things up for God to use? Take that first step today. Some of you are already thinking like, maybe I have this thing. Maybe God can use this. The boy was blessed. He probably went home to all his friends and said, I had this dinner for my family, and Jesus took it. I thought he was going to eat it himself, and his, his 12 dudes are going to eat it. We were just feeding the leader guy. But we all ate, like, and it was good. He was blessed. He was excited because Jesus did that through him. He got to be a little part, a little line in the story, and he is always going to be there now. Don't waste your gifts that God can multiply. Would you trust God to use them for his mission? See, God has given us all spiritual gifts if we're believers in him. And maybe you just don't know. What are my talents? What are my gifts? i got to figure this out. So we have growth track, and I actually put the wrong date there. It's not July 1st. It is July 17th, um, where we do a spiritual inventory like test to help you see, okay, these are my gifts. These are what God has given me. And we believe that God has given at least one spiritual gift for every believer to use to serve people. But maybe you're here and you're just investigating faith and you're just trying to figure this all thing out and, and who Jesus is and why, why do these people believe in him. And, and you're, to be honest, and, and it's okay to be honest, I'm glad you're here. And you say, I don't know if I want to really give anything to God. That's okay. God is not asking you to give up the talents, the resources, the time, the relationships, the money. He's just saying, come to me. He's actually saying, let me give you something. If you're a believer here today, if you've trusted Jesus, you're a longtime follower of him, and you know maybe that next step you need to take or you need to figure it out. Maybe you need to ask God, God, I don't know what to give but I'm going to give you one Sunday a month to serve in the nursery. God, I have this extra room in my home. I want to use it to help people. Would you figure out how I can use this? God, I got this extra tip this weekend at work. I don't want to put in a savings account this time. I want to use it to bless somebody in need. God, I'm really good at making snacks. Some of you are really good at making snacks. You're like, your Rice Krispie treats are the bomb. Like, you can use that to serve God. In city kids or the city students, like, we, we treat them. Like, you can use these things to serve God. Now, what if we all use what was in our hands to serve him and gave it to God? One boy, his five loaves of bread and two fish, he fed 10,000 people. What if we used all of our gifts, our talents, our time, our relationships, 
our money? What if we use those things that God has put in our hand, really almost out of the abundance, giving us more that we need that we can use to serve this community? When the local church is healthy, we believe the world will be a better place. When we're healthy and when we're serving God and putting these things in front and saying, God, use this, God will equip us to do what he's called us to do. If you have resources, would he supply, you, we could supply lunches for needy students for the weekends that, that don't eat and they only eat during school hours. If you have talents, maybe you're really good at building something, you could renovate a school that's been run down in our community. You have some time, you can volunteer your time and have relationships and, and friendships and, and with students to mentor them. If you're really good at building friendships, you can build relationships with struggling single parents. Maybe you have some extra money, you can pay. We, if we did this all together, we could pay teachers salaries to, to, be, to not have a class closed down, maybe like an art or music. We could do these things to, to better these things, but why do we do this? Is our mission, and God's mission is to reach people. And he will always show up when we're serving him. We'll always show up when we give our gifts up to him. And we can meet some physical needs in people's lives and bless them, but even more, those things can lead to sharing Jesus with them. We can share Jesus. It gives us so much more opportunity. What? We, we could do anything if we, if we gave these things to God. What is in your hands? We have to trust him. You know, if you, if you remember anything from this morning, and I'm kind of all over the place all the time, and that's fine. But if you remember anything, what's in your hands, and what is God calling you to give to him? Trust him. It's going to put you outside of your comfort zone. It's probably going to make you nervous. But the dividend it pays is people's souls. That's awesome. People's lives can be changed from death to life because we just give what little we have. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. So maybe you're not a follower of Jesus. You wouldn't claim to be. You'd be honest with yourselves and say, I don't, I don't really follow Jesus. I'm just here to investigate faith. And we are so glad. I'm so glad you're here. I hope you feel welcomed. I hope you feel loved. I hope you feel like this is a safe place that you can investigate what this is all about, what we're doing here with no judgment. Jesus' mission wasn't to do all these crazy miracles just to do these miracles. He did this to serve you. And he says at the end, we don't mention this all the time, but to give his life as a ransom for many. See that life? We need that life ransomed. We need to be rescued. All of us at one time, we have been broken in our sin without a relationship with God, and we do need him. God wants a relationship with you. If you're not a follower of Jesus, God wants to have a relationship with you. He loves you so much. This is what the gospel is. God created us to be with him, but our sin separated us from God. And, and sin, we, we think of this, this really spiritual word, right, that we put just over here, whatever, the sin, people just put that thing there. 
But sin is really anything that we do that really hurts us and hurts other people. And we do a lot of those things. Our sin has separated us from God. That's the reality. And the other sad reality of it is sins cannot be removed by good deeds. We can't, we can't wash it out. We can't clean it out ourselves. We need help. We need to be ransomed and rescued. Paying the price for our sin, Jesus died and rose from the dead. That's hard to believe. He didn't just serve meals. He died in our place where we deserve to be. Everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life. Life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. So if you're here today and you say, you know, I'm still investigating faith and still trying to figure out what this Jesus is, we're so glad you're here. Ask questions. Come to me. Fill, fill out a card. We would love to answer questions. We'd love to have lunch with you or, or go out to coffee or whatever. If you don't like coffee like some of us do, you can do whatever. I love coffee, so we can, we can go out with coffee. But we love to answer those questions. But if you're here today and you would say, Luke, I'm, I'm just compelled. I've been here for a little bit. I've been here maybe for a while, and I just want to follow Jesus. I want what he has. I want the forgiveness that he offers. I want the eternal life, the security from that. I want to follow Jesus. I want to be in. It's as simple as ABC. It's really simple. Accept that you are a sinner in need of Jesus. Believe that Jesus came, died, and rose again from the dead to pay for your sins. And call on him. We just talk to him. We just tell him. So when I was 13, 13 years ago, I trusted in Christ and I prayed something like this. It wasn't a prayer that saved me, that started that relationship. It was just me believing these things and what Jesus did. It's really what Jesus did that saved me. I said something like this to God. I said, God, I know I'm a sinner. God, I need a Savior. I put my trust in Jesus to save me. Thank you for forgiving me and giving me a home in heaven with you. I said something like this. Maybe you're here today and you say, I want to I trust in him. I want to start that relationship. This is what we're going to do. If everybody's heads can be bowed and eyes can be closed, and just going to take a moment, nobody looking around out of respect for each other and letting people think. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know, I'm a longtime follower of Jesus, and I have something in my hands. I just haven't really given this up to God. And I know he can use it. Would you just take that moment? Would you say, God, here's what I got. I know it's little, but I know and I, can, I believe today that you can do these big things. Maybe you're here today and you've been serving God with your life. And you just, you've been using your gifts. Thank you. Thank you for being part of the answer. Thank you for, for being used by God. But maybe you're here today and you say, Luke, I want to start that relationship with Jesus. I want to say yes to him today. I'm compelled to follow him. Would you pray this? Would you believe this in your heart? Nobody looking around. God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I need a savior. I put my trust in Jesus to save me in the best way I know how. Thank you for forgiving me and giving me a home in heaven with you. So maybe you did that today, and you prayed that, and you believe that, and you want to start that relationship with Jesus. We have some connect cards 
right in the front that you can grab. We have some prayer cards. If you have prayer concerns or things you want us to pray for, we would love to talk with you. We'd love to celebrate with you to help you find those those next steps that you need to take with Jesus. We want to walk with you in this relationship. That's why we're here. That's why this church plant started, is to, to walk with people in a growing relationship with Jesus. So if that's you, please fill out a card. Don't be embarrassed. You can do it. Um, go somewhere and do it else. You can leave it on your seat. You can bring it to the next steps table. We'd love to talk to you about that decision to follow Jesus. But let's pray. Father, thank you for today. God, I pray that you would help us to, to realize the gifts and talents and, and the resources and all the things you've given, that we would see those things in our hands and we would have open hands to let you use them, God, whatever they are. God, we wouldn't think of them just so small, but we would think of the potential they have in your power to be used. God, we want to be used by you, not to, to please you per se, not to earn any extra favor because we can't because you love us infinitely, but God, so that we can bless people, that people can have an opportunity to have a relationship with Jesus. God, we love you. We thank you for Jesus and what he's done for us on the cross to save us. In Jesus' name, amen.